Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined as always by Matthew Sage Burden, Chamberlain. <laughs> I, I did, Matt. I did not come over and walk around your home <laughs> and, and burn some sage before we started. <laughs> um, you, there, there were no bad spirits here. I no, didn't have good. to. That's, that's good. the that's the reasoning. Okay, that's that good. Rant. I appreciate that for not you know doing something just just insanely rude in my house, but you know, no foreign rituals in the Parker household. That's fine. It's all good. I'm just gonna start introducing you as Sage Burner Chamberlain. <laughs> Sage Burner. That's like if Kyrie like just is like a three point like god this year. That could be like a really cool nickname though. <laughs> it could be. Until he plays like 30 games, yeah, you know, well, we'll see. Well, anyways, um, welcome to episode 94 of this uh, podcast. Somehow we made it to 94 po- episodes, uh, not 94 podcasts. Um, if you haven't already, find us on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, you can search for Couch GM Podcast and we'll pop up there. Um, we might be going through a rebranding. We might not. A little hint there. Follow us on social media, maybe, maybe not. Some dope potential. Ah, there we go. That that's a quotable thing. Dope potential. I like it. Uh, and if you haven't already, give us a rating and a review uh, on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, if you missed episode ninety three, we talked about the Paul George extension, Ooh. James Harden update, Ooh. which is getting <laughs> even spicier this week. Giannis got his super max, and then we talked about. Uh, big questions in the West, and uh, pl- we gave our Western Conference playoff predictions. Yes. Feeling pretty confident about those. I don't know. I, I still wake up sometimes <laughs> in the middle of the night thinking about this. I don't know. Uh, the West Western Conference might be a huge like shrug emoji at the uh, end, end of the year. You know, it could be. And, and it's just because everyone wants to win in the West. But that's not allowed. Can't yeah. do that. Yeah, everyone, including Kings, thinks they're going to make the playoffs this year, which is just priceless. And speaking of delusions, um, <laughs> and going on to the news, Rudy <laughs> Gobert <laughs> just got overpaid. <laughs> just worked the Utah Jazz. Um, whoever his agent is, just incredible job to get a five-year, $205 million extension from the Jazz. Uh, he's going into the last year of his contract this year, and... I just, Ryan, help me out here. I don't, I don't, what are we doing? I don't, like, I texted you as soon as I saw this broke this morning, and I was, like, stunned. Because, like, we, like, we had mentioned it, I think, on the pod before, as, like, a sneaky storyline this, this offseason. That they hadn't re-signed him and had not even talked about it. Right, like, in the they media. hadn't even mentioned anything about it. And it was like, are they going to, like, trade Rudy Gobert? Are they going to do something with Rudy Gobert? And there's like, no there's way. There's no way you can pay him the max. Like, right. what he was eligible to get, which was the same deal Giannis got. Nor were you wanting to go into next offseason with him as just an unrestricted free agent. Right. Because he's probably not... He wouldn't re-sign with... There'd be Utah. other suitors then right. and be like, we can offer you comparable money for not Utah. Right. Exactly. But to pay him $200 million? Like, like $40 million a he, year? He's effectively going to be making, like, $5 million less per year than Giannis. Like, like, what are we doing? Like, I just... I Of all the teams that should have learned by now, a plodding big man who is good on defense but can't do much on offense and is better around the rim than he is on the perimeter 
just there's there's a ceiling on what they can be in the playoffs. Yeah. And you should not. This is like a lesson all NBA teams should learn. You cannot pay someone thirty plus million dollars a year if you can't play them thirty plus minutes in the playoffs, <laughs> like per game. Like that's just it. Just should be like a general rule of thumb here, Ryan. Like if you can't play him legit minutes in the playoffs, and you can't pay him legit star money, even if he is a star at what he does best. That's a great point because, like, uh, in fairness to Rudy Gobert, he's like an All NBA defender, right? All, all NBA selection, all that stuff. So, from his perspective, like, yeah, he's worth this. But from everyone else's perspective, he's not. You're absolutely right. Like, he just can't. Like, he's not staying on the floor for significant playoff minutes. He's getting played off the floor in some cases, and he's a good interior defender. But like, I, I just think you're setting a ceiling on this team unfortunately at this point for the utah jazz right it's like this it it feels like this is their attempt to not be a small market team like look at us we're going to re-sign our stars because they re-signed donovan this offseason also into an extension and you know last year they brought in conley they brought in bogdanovich they brought in clarkson like look we'll spend we'll be players and all it's really ended up getting them is a a weird but another first round exit from the bubble and then now you're going to be in salary cap hell moving forward because $80 million a year is going to be tied up in Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And how are you supposed to fill out a team? Because both of those guys need a at least competent team around them. How are you going to do that with what money you have left over unless you're paying excessive amounts of tax? Which, again, we all know they got a new owner this offseason. Right. So maybe. Maybe they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. We'll do it. I... I just have a hard time believing, even if they're willing to do it, that players who are going to make the Jazz help make the Jazz a championship team, like Rudy and Donovan's a great start, but those other types of guys you need are going to come to play in Utah. Yeah, like it, it just puts Utah in a weird spot because like you want to pay a guy, you want to keep your mm-hmm. your guy who you drafted and believed in, like in house, but like. I don't know. That I, I feel like this is also an indictment on like the max contracts in general. It is. Um, because it's not really fair to these small market teams to kind of just be put in a situation time and time again where you have to pay this guy, and now he's going to be looked as overrated even though he's a really good NBA player. Yeah. It's just like at some point your fans are going to get sick of Rudy Gobert putting up like I don't know, 18 and 10 every night, even though that's a good stat line. It's not like that's worth $40 million, yeah. you know? And, and I, I don't know. It's just such a precarious spot for these small market teams. It's The NBA has to figure out some way to balance out these max contracts, whether they don't count towards a certain percentage of, of the salary cap or some way, right. something like that. And it's... <sighs> To me, they're just going to either because to retain like guys they have like Conley moving forward if they want to, or Ingles moving forward, or Bogdanovich moving forward. It's like you you can bring them back and you could have like early bird rights on some of these guys because they've been playing here for multiple years. But like that just means you're paying them more, more money yeah. too. And at the end of the day, then like. You, you won't be able to bring in the Derek Favor types, which, again, yeah, like, they were paid slightly for him, but not terribly. But it's like they won't be able to make those type of moves moving forward. They're really going to be having to function 
in terms of like how they build out the rest of the roster like the Lakers do, which is like we need Markeith Morris to sign here for like to a minimum. Yeah, vet right? minimum. Like we need tracks. right. We need those t- we need West Matthews on a on a vet minimum. Like those are the type of deals they're gonna need. I just don't see that for them moving forward, like good players. And so another question I have is I get why obviously the Bucks signed Giannis to the deal. Like one because it's Giannis and MVP, but also like they have a legit championship window mm. here in the next five years. Do you see the Jazz having a legitimate championship window in the next five years? Is Donovan Mitchell in the next five years ready to it, be a championship like team leader? It feels like with Gobert signing this contract, it feels like they set a timer, like they set a clock on their championship window, right. and it's like a year and a half or two years. Yeah, maybe three, but it's it's to the point that I'm like when we like we know you hate Donovan, but <laughs> like, it. but it's like uh, to me Donovan's not ready to like potentially lead a team to like a championship for like at least three years. But essentially, what you've done with this Rudy Gobert contract is you've said my window is the next three years. Right. So it's like those timelines like aren't quite matching up like and they can't always match up like the NBA just doesn't work that way. The Bucks have kind of got lucky and like okay, we're now in like Giannis's prime 5-year window. Middleton's still in his like right timing for that too. They brought in Drew Holiday who again, it's like these next 3-4 years for him is like going to be when they can maximize him as a player for winning a championship. Brooke Lopez, he's really in the last year or two, but like it's still at least within these you know, timeline in which Giannis got his max. You got to give Donovan the max because he's a young budding star. But with Rudy, his deal is essentially the equivalent of the Giannis. Like, okay, this is now our championship window, yep. which is what you were saying. And if your other max guy isn't to that point yet, it's he's on his max to get to this next max. Right. And it's just like it's just a little off. You would need so many things to go right to win a championship in the next three years if you're utah and i just don't bet on utah getting good fortunes and playoffs and also like team building just right. not what they're known for ever right and they have a certain like they have teams they have to leap to in order to right. get that championship it's not like they're on this like and knowing the lakers just locked up lebron and ad for another like, like three years yeah right? essentially this same window right and like you even look down the like in same city los angeles and with the clippers like paul george getting locked up you'd assume they would want to lock up Kawhi again um at worst it's the next two maybe three years yeah with the clippers plus like you're thinking okay the nuggets just beat us in the playoffs it looks like they are just going to keep running it back like they just have a young core like Jokic is locked up murray's locked up yep porter jr still on his rookie contract and they just had a bunch of guys resign for like good value contracts. Yeah, it's not like those teams are going away. I just don't know what you do with like. It feels like you're very locked in the middle of the NBA all of a sudden, and that's not necessarily what you where you want to be. But you also don't want to be like tanking with like right. Donovan Mitchell because like right. if you take Rudy Gobert out of the situation, what are the Utah Jazz? Right, it's Donovan Mitchell and it's like some nice guys around him. Right. And so it's it goes back to what we were saying when we originally opened this, which was alluding to what we were saying even last week. What are you doing with Rudy? It sounded like honestly the best option was trading him. Like 
he's expiring. Get off of him. Let another team make that decision. Mm-hmm. Get back some more team control guys that align more with Mitchell's timeline. And, you know, right at first, or off air, we were, like, spitballing some ideas. There's still a dozen teams that, like, for, like, a reasonable deal that helps Utah would take Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Like, it's really not that hard. He may not be... Those teams might not be super interested today, but come back February 1st when your team's not quite performing how you thought they would be and you thought you were supposed to be a top five team in your respected conference, all of a sudden Rudy Gobert looks a whole lot better. Right. So... Right. And I, I just don't think, like, those dozen-ish teams would have been going away even if you had to wait it out a bit. So that's why I'm more confused with Utah. This just feels like a mismanagement of the asset. It's like the asset isn't good enough to actually help you get to the like the game threshold. Mm. You want like the playoff threshold, but the asset isn't quite, quite good enough to get back like a star in return. So it's just like you're either stuck giving him a bad contract or stuck trading him for less than you feel like he's worth. I, I would rather trade then get stuck with a bad contract. I would, too. I would, too. Uh, Utah is going to be a fascinating team to watch this year because of this whole dynamic. And, I mean, they were good in the bubble, um, but, like, there was obviously a rift with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert in last March. Yeah. Um, which, I guess, has kind of blown over, but they're, I feel like those things blow over and come back pretty easily. They're friends again. I, I, I know I said this to you off air, so I'll put it on the record here. There's no way Rudy didn't look at Donovan's deal, which is, you know, for like one, essentially 160-ish, but it has the potential to get up into the 190s. Um, there's no way he didn't look at that and be like, I'm not getting paid less than him. He, he's yeah. like, I'm getting paid more than that guy. Yeah. Like, I'm like five years older. I've been here longer. You're paying me more than him. I've earned this. Yeah. yeah. The, and so it's like, all right, your automatic bottom number then was like 190. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like, 15 million dollars is something but over five years it's like three million a year doesn't right. amount to much so it's like really not that different so it's like this was the deal he was asking for pretty much it's I, just if it, it feels brutal looking at these numbers yeah i just don't like paying a player 40 million dollars like makes Almost you doesn't work make you ever yeah makes you pause like i, I think we talked about this I forgot with which contract we talked about it, but it's like which max contract Supermax has the guy like signed and then stayed with that team more than three years. It doesn't happen too often. It's like zero because like John Wall's not on his original team. That Chris he Paul. Chris Paul. Right. Russ. Russ. Blake Griffin. I mean, he didn't sign that Supermax, but he signed something close to it. Basically. Anthony so. Davis. I mean, we go down. You go down the list of recent players, and it's like. These guys don't stay on their teams for they, the full full length of the contracts. They either sign it just to secure the money and then ask out a year later, or they sign it and then they're just not worth it. And so then the team has to trade them for spare parts like three years down the line, if, yeah. if anyone will take them. Which you can always find someone to take them. It's just what are you willing to take back? Right. Exactly. It just feels like this... It, it just feels like there's not going to be a lot of good stuff that comes for for Utah out of this signing. We've obviously just never seen a center paid this much either. And in, yeah. a, in a league that seems to have been going away from centers, maybe got a slight rejuvenation with the Lakers championship this year for like maybe bigs are still okay. I, I said it at the time, I'll say it again. Bigs who are skilled, yeah, those guys are great. 
bigs who are just the same big men they were 10 years ago, no. Like, they're, they're still not a thing. Like, one-dimensional, and that's what Rudy yeah. Gobert is. He's it? very good at that one dimension. Yeah. He's great at that one dimension, but he still really can't play offense. Right. So, And I think we've harped on this point for years, but I think it's worth bringing up again. It's like, could you not find like a guy worth $5 million who could do the same general idea essentially as Rudy, this. Rudy Gobert? Right. Like, could probably get you like 80, I wouldn't even say it, like 65% of what Rudy Gobert does for the Utah Jazz. So Derek Favors? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I. And you're paying him $9 million a year, which feels like even a slight overpay. You probably could have gone for like six. Yeah. I mean, we made the comparison off air to Steven Adams. It's like, okay, you're still paying him 25 this year and 17 next year, but that's still not $40 million. Right, right. right. That's way less. And I think that's just the ultimate point. It just feels like a mismanagement of your money here. Um, we'll move on to the last couple of news bits, then go over to the East. Um, preseason wrapped up Saturday. Um, I don't know if you watched any, Ryan. I, I, wa- you- I watched a little bit of that... Uh, Celtics Nets game. Yeah, I didn't. I knew how that game was going. Um, <laughs> uh, like the Bucks, Celtics, I think Pacers. No one, none of them won a preseason game. Yeah, it's just like those type of things. Like uh, they're not playing. Like yeah, right. Um, like I get why the Nets were like trying to throw some guys out there though. Like you got to figure out what you got there. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Durant. He's looking good. He looks like pretty much Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't. I mean. From like just like a preseason doesn't look like he's lost a step, which he, is scary. He was moving well. Yeah. He was moving well. Um and then all the all the rooks were getting some action, getting some love. Um your boy Poku was just doing all kinds of things. Yeah. I mean he was definitely embracing the just flip it over your head <laughs> layup attempts the other night or a couple weeks ago or I guess last week. Uh yeah, I just have no idea what this guy is gonna be like. Are you on? I'm excited for it. Yeah. Are you on the Lamelo Ball hype train yet, Ryan? No, I'm not either. So. No, the shot still looks horrendous. It, it's so bad. <laughs> and let's let's pretend for a second that you're not playing the Orlando Magic every night, and then maybe you know Good things point. won't go point. your way all the time. Um, and that Cole Anthony was taking him off the dribble <laughs> literally just every time. <laughs> he can't I, stay in front of anybody. So from but, the moment you've said like. Lamelo can't pull up. I've been watching for him to like try to pull up in a highlight, and it's yet to happen. He he just can't like the shot. It's so bad. It look he looks like you know like a middle schooler who like hasn't been in a weight room before trying to shoot a basketball. It's like he just has to throw it, put it in front of his face and shoot with two hands. Yeah, and like he's really good at that, but like it's still not an efficient shot. Not not to get too far into this, but um, so it's like some guys making some debuts, some really impressing, um. Isaac Okoro, Denny Odia, and others. Um, and then NBA opening night is coming up. We're recording this on Sunday. So coming up on Tuesday, December 22nd, we're going to have Warriors Nets at 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time and then Clippers Lakers at 9 o'clock Central Time. You want to give a prediction now or do you want to wait till the end? On we those? can wait till then. All right. We do have some breaking news here from oh. Woj himself. Kyle Kuzma to sign three-year, $40 million contract that includes player option for 2023-2024 season. So hmm. Kuzma getting an extension there. It's on a, on a fairly good good price. Yeah. For actually, the Lakers. I, w- I was really... Because you know, he was one of those other guys that was eligible. I was really worried they were going to give him like a 3 for 50. Yeah. 3 for 50. I mean, 13 and, mil. And stuff. For yeah. two years, essentially. Yeah. And then a player option. Like, if he's yeah. worth it, 
then you know he'll opt out and they'll pay him then what he needs to get paid and if he's not worth it he'll opt in and it's honestly not that it's a tradable deal right that's a smart deal yeah so okay all right so i get the lakers figuring out how to finagle things well um that's unfortunate (laughs) (laughs) what matt loves to see is lakers winning championships and making smart moves which they haven't done well, for let's like move a on to the east <laughs> so um i liked the shannon brown lakers <laughs> the, the the ryan kelly uh robert sacre lakers uh, uh uh what's his name marshall kendall marshall kendall marshall led lakers yeah. yeah those 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 la teams are fun you should do that again um so we'll do similar to what we did last week um last week we talked about the west uh, a question for each We'll put a two-minute timer on each of these, um, run through all 15 teams this week in the East. So a question, we'll answer it, and then what kind of team we think they'll end up being. Either playoff team, like a definite playoff team, a fringe team that could probably mean anywhere from like 6 to 11 or so, because remember we got to play in this year, and then a lottery team. Like, nah, you just, you're out. So <laughs> um, the, the East has quite a few teams that fit into those last two categories but it's all over the place but that there there's a solid top group in the east so it's it's nothing to you we we can't scoff at the east but we can scoff at the bottom of the east yeah we can we can get on that so we'll start with atlanta we'll get this timer going so ryan can this team do anything well besides play offense no (laughs) can they do anything competent besides play offense so like if they're like a top 10 offense and a top 25 defense like they're the so, 25th defense i think that's does, the question like how bad can they be on defense and get away with it is is that like equal like play play in tournament for them that's what i'm wondering like is 25 making like the last spot in the play in 23 the nine like 21 like the not like the eight and then like if you can get top 20 you'll be like the seven yeah like that's kind of where it feels like for them um i that's why like we'll go in like they're a fringe like they're obviously in right. that like this right. play in type category maybe they can get to like six but i doubt it um it kind of feels like seven is the top for them i think defensively i i can't get over like their guards i just can't get over it yeah, Trey Young's gonna be. I mean, he's always gonna be picked on, um, and, and to a certain extent. Like, right? I don't think. I think in like in situations, it's gonna be worse than maybe in like the middle of the second quarter, whatever it is. I I just don't know. Like with this team, like who's taking away? Like you're playing Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. In the Utah Jazz, like who's guarding Donovan Mitchell? And that's why you're like, oh, in theory, we have Cam Reddish, or we have... You have like, bodies to throw on, We sure. have DeAndre Hunter, but it's like, okay, so you put your absolute best defender, who's not a great defender, but your best defender on that guy. Okay, who's guarding the second option? Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, who's guarding the third perimeter player, who's usually not a bad offensive player in the league? That's who Trey Young's guarding. And, yeah. like, I know it's preseason... Grayson Allen just rocks this guy's <laughs> world. Grayson Allen is a below-average NBA player. He has a hard time making playoff, like, minute, not playoff minutes, just minutes in general, like, right. finding rotation. Trey Young can't stay in from anybody. Right. Right, so that's just, I worry. I think they'll make the play-in in the East, but I worry. We'll go on to Boston. Uh, 
I'll ask this one. Normally we alternate, but I'll ask this one. Can this team get away with a lack of depth? I think so. Generally, for the most part, like, if this team's so good. Like, Tatum's so good. Are we? I, I, I honestly think the Celtics are a top four team in the East. Uh, not to spoil my predictions later. I I think this team has some... Like, Tatum's, I think, going to take, take a step. Jalen Brown's going to take a step. And then guys like Tristan Thompson. I know, like, off the, when the season tips off, like, you don't have that creation... Because you lost Gordon Hayward and Kimba is now injured. I don't know. I just think there's enough there, and I think Tatum will take another step. Fully healthy, Boston. I mean, I guess it depends on what your definition of get away with is. But, right, if they're all healthy and Teague gets relegated back to being a backup, obviously, and then you have Tristan as a backup to Daniel Tice and all, like maybe. I am worried about the wing depth on this team. How Boston, like, yeah, the starters are great. Right, like we'll go Kimba, Marcus, Jalen, Jason, and Daniel Tice, and okay, Teague and Thompson are backups, and then all of a sudden it's like, and who else? Yeah, right, and right. it's like okay, so Romeo Langford's gonna have to be a guy this year, but he's hurt right now, right? Yeah, like, yeah he's out. Like he's out to like February first ish. Yeah, um, we drafted Neesmith, the rookie, who's a shooter who can we think can play some defense. Okay, there's another guy, Shimmy Ojale. I've seen that for like three, four years now. That's a thing. Um, Javante Green, maybe, who was like, we picked up off the scrap heap a couple years ago. And that's it. Like, there, there's no one else. Mm. So that's what gets me a bit worried in a year of COVID, where like, guys are just going to miss. Like, yeah. it's just going to happen. Is you kind of need like, 10 guys this year you not you need like 12 guys this year and at boston barely has 10 when fully healthy so it gets me concerned ryan like talent wise they're definitely a playoff team 100 percent. oh yeah, yeah yeah but like i i i wouldn't be surprised if they finish lower than they should Ooh. put it that way um some pessimism yeah, from the boston yeah, fan yeah so with brooklyn moving on to brooklyn what is the ceiling and the floor for this team, Matt? The ceiling is like they're winning the championship. I like, agree. I, I I I fully think that they're they have the collection of talent and obviously the stars to like actually achieve that. The floor is like just the like, train goes hundred percent off the tracks. Philly last year, right? Yeah, and like they finished like basically in the same spot they did last year, like the seven. Yeah, 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 and. Yeah, again, not not even getting into like the COVID part of everything. It's just like the Kyrie just falls off the tracks. Like there, Dinwiddie gets unhappy, Karis gets unhappy with their roles, right? Jared Allen's like, why am I not playing? And it's just <laughs> that's the funniest thing to me is that Jared Allen is like the bench, like not the starter. There it makes yeah. no sense. And then you still got guys like Tori and Prince that are like, I need to get paid coming up. Yeah, and it's yeah. like. Joe Harris is like, can someone just pass me the ball, please? <laughs> right? Like, that's, and I could see, like, all these things, like, actually going wrong. For a lot of teams, it's like, yeah, all the things are possible, but, like, realistically, only, like, two, three of those things could go wrong. For the Nets, I fully believe all those things could go wrong. On top of, you have, like, a rookie head coach and Steve Nash. Right. Um, I, I, I lean toward this team, like, I was pretty, in, like, conversations with you and just, like, other friends... Like, I just don't... I haven't thought the Nets are going to be, like, a viable contender this year. 
I've kind of flipped on that, honestly. Like, with seeing Kevin Durant kind of healthy and, like, has a spring in a step and can just absolutely still score from anywhere. Like, I think that's worth a top four seed in the East right. at this point. And maybe even a top three. Like, this team can be really good. It just depends on the supporting pieces. I've also had this other thought. is like, is this Nets team any different than, like, any of the Oklahoma State Thunder teams that Kevin Durant was on? It's like, is Kyrie and Westbrook... Like, Kyrie's probably a better player than Westbrook for, for Kevin Durant. But, like, effectively. Effectively, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like, there's, like, yeah. a big man there. You have some shooting um, and some, like, nice pieces, but, like, can it all come together? Yeah, and, I mean, ultimately, the championship part of it just goes back to Durant. Like, right. is Durant Durant? Is like, he the best player in the world? Because right. last time we saw him, he was. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, like, I intentionally watched that first preseason game when they played Washington just to see, like, what he, what is he moving like? And his first, like, I think his first bucket was, like, a rip-through dunk to the left side. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, all right, here we go. And then he proceeded to just put buckets. Like He scored, like, the, 20, right? Now that that the, game. Yeah, and obviously it's the Wizards in the preseason. But, like, it's the fact that, like, no, it didn't matter who was guarding him, like, it it's just like the shot is obviously still the shot and like life is just going to be miserable for everybody that has to guard him it's just a thing even if he doesn't quite have to blow by speed anymore right you still can't defend the jump shot so good mean, luck. it's kind of like dirk it's like yeah you, you can put a hand up you can put a hand up but it's just gonna go in yeah all right we'll move on to charlotte now still an interesting team um is is this the sneaky playoff team this year i think everyone wants it to be ryan but is it no i talked to like a couple different people and they're like oh charlotte could be like sneaky good they could make the playoffs i think and i just don't get it i mean one depends on your definition of good and by make the playoffs do we mean top eight or do we mean like they fight into that 10 so i think the same question applies for atlanta it's like who's playing defense on this team because there's like one through eight i i mean like pj washington will play defense and, like, but, like, he obviously can't do everything. Right. And Miles, he's not even, like, a top-tier defender. I would no. Say. He's not that yet. Miles Bridges, like, obviously has shown tons of flashes. But, like, I, if he's mentally, like, kind of checked out because he doesn't get any touches on offense, then, like, I get why he's, like, not really trying to play defense then. You have Bismack Biombo, But, like, I'm not sure that dude knows what he's doing out there still. Right. So, you're right. There's a lot of things here that it's, like, you you really aren't a top ten team in the East. And then like the Gordon Hayward thing, like unfortunately he's, he's injured. Like we didn't we haven't mentioned that yet. Yeah, that's right. He did fracture like his pinky. Yeah, and it's like okay, is this gonna be the typical Gordon Hayward season where he plays like ten really good games and then he like sprains his ankle, he's out for right. ten, and then doesn't really get back to that form until another twenty. And it's like, all right, you're over halfway through the season at that point. Yeah, and you're either in the conversation or you're not. Yeah, and I, I mean, we talked about Lamelo earlier. Like, how much can he make up for things? Is Devontae Graham can he like replicate last year? Yeah, that's another big part of this. Terry Rozier, who was like good last year, like a good role player though. Like he's good. At, he's good in context, how, not just good. And how unhappy is he? gonna get now that they have Lamelo because he's another guard right i mean all preseason obviously they they started rosier and graham and brought Lamelo off the bench how long is that gonna fly 
Right. I mean, maybe it's a good thing there's no fans for them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, those 14 people who come, like, they don't have to be shouting at them <laughs> to start LaMelo. So, I don't know. They're, to me, like, they're a back-end fringe team, fringe playoff team. But if you just want to call them lottery, like, I would understand that also. Yeah, they're, they're just straight-up a lottery okay. team to me. We'll move on to Chicago. Um, weird, weird thing here. Obviously, they've gone through the Jim Boylan mess, and we've all been saying... That that's the reason. So, counter question here is: so can Billy Donovan fix this team enough in his first year to get them to where they want to be? I think there's enough competence there to make this work, to make it a playoff run. Because like they were just short of making the bubble last year, um, and they had some injuries, of course, not go their way. Right. Wendell's missed like effectively a year. Yeah, essentially, I I think that's another piece here to talk about, is, like, you have no idea what you have in Wendell Carter still. You really don't know what you have in Laurie Markkinen still. The only piece you really know, like, you have something is Kobe White. And in terms of, like, your young, like, like rookie contract guys, yeah. Yeah, and, like, Zach Levine's gonna be good, I think. He's gonna put up points. Yeah, he's gonna put put up numbers. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know... I don't know. Like, I, I think there's enough there to kind of make things work. Yeah. Um. I mean, we both like Thomas Sadoransky. That young. That young guy. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I just think there's enough here to kind of make things work and make a playoff run, playoff push, at least to, for the play-in. Um, not to spoil the answer here at the end, but I don't know. I think Billy Donovan's proved he's a competent coach, and given like a system like he did really well with Oklahoma City last year when I mean everyone had them at like a 31 team yeah I I I I agree they're in that fringy playoff team like they're definitely more 9 10 11 12 to me mm. than they are like top eight but they're somewhere in that range I I want the marketing Carter thing to work real bad I just watching a little preseason and watching him over the last couple of years, I just don't know if I believe it. Like, mm. for some reason, something's just not clicking there. And can Billy fix it? Maybe. But then today, I I just genuinely cannot believe Zach Levine is the best player on a playoff team. <laughs> Even a bad playoff team. Yeah. A playoff team. I That's just don't fair. know if I move past it. So, well, I don't know. Will we spend full two minutes on Cleveland? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I guess really my my or yeah the question here is how bad can this team be? I think it could be sneaky, kind of not a train wreck. Like you you think there's like a semi level of competency here? Yeah, like they didn't they stopped drafting a point guard. This okay, year, that's which good. Is in the right direction, <laughs> and like I I don't know. You start looking at their team like Darius Garland, uh, Colin Sexton, Colin Sexton, Isaac Coro. Like, all of a sudden, like, there's, that's something to build with. Yeah. That's, and then you have um, Osman. Right. Um, so, I, I don't know. I think there's some competency here. Like, it's not going to be, I don't know, fall off the train tracks, like, five five wins or ten wins, you know, whatever it's going to be. Um, I think this could be kind of like a Charlotte from last year. Mm. You know, that's like, you look at the roster and you kind of have to look at it with one eye closed to, like, see something there. Um I just, I don't know. I think I could start to see the build of something for sure. And I think this team's probably going to catch fire toward the end of this, end of the season um, and probably start terribly, but we'll see. Right. I mean, obviously, Okoro 
was really good in the preseason. Um, he does all the winning things yeah. that the Cavs just desperately need. Yeah. Um, I, I really like Con Sexton. He's kind of that similar mold of like mindset. So I really like, and like there is stuff there. It, there's not a lot of stuff. Um, but there's there's some things there. I I don't hate Cleveland moving forward, like over the next three four years, building this team. I just I don't love them this year. Obviously they're a lottery team, yeah, like very yeah, clearly. Yeah, yeah. But um, if they were the thirteenth in the East, like that's kind of like my ceiling for them. That's Maybe, like a step in the right direction. Yeah, right. They're not like clearly like fourteenth, fifteenth. They could be thirteenth. I guess that's a thing. That's a win for them. Um, we did take the whole two minutes. We did barely, but we did. <laughs> so moving on to Detroit, the question with this team is just who cares? I know that's like a joke, kind of, but like, what's the most interesting question about this team? Is Blake Griffin getting traded? Is that it? I think so. Like, I really do think so. Like, because even like their young guys, I like some of their young guys. Right, like they we we talked about their draft with Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay. Um, they have the kid from last year, Seiko Dumboye, who's like basically the same age as those dudes, um, if not younger. So it's like there's they have young guys. Um, it's just like when they traded Luke Kennard over the off season, like in the draft, um, that three way with Shamit and mm. to get the nineteenth pick. Yeah. Um, that was kind of signal me like, all right, they're out on this year. Yeah, like they're just out. Like, it's, who's Derrick Rose getting traded to? Yeah. Derrick Rose, Blake Griffin, like, you can get some pretty good assets for that. Like, Blake Griffin, yeah. maybe not as much, but Derrick Rose, you could probably get a late first round pick, early second round yeah. pick. And then at worst, use that to get off of Blake Griffin. Right. So, like, <laughs> you know. Maybe it, you package Rose and Griffin, Griffin together. together. Maybe try something like that. It, I, I just think that's the ultimate move, is like, yeah. what... Because clearly in the draft, like, there was a clear shift in, like, the type of dudes they were drafting and what they are looking for. I think that's going to be a theme of this season, too, is when they do make, like, they're inevitably going to make some trades. Here is, what kind of packages are they getting back? Are they trying to get some short-term help, which would be a very Detroit thing to do? Or are they going to, like, play the long game here and be like, okay, no, we're intentionally over the next three years going to rebuild this roster in a completely new way, and it's you know a very clear vision we're not gonna have like these mixed expectations mm. if they do that then again similar to cleveland i don't hate them moving forward it's just they've got to get out of this weird purgatory they're in right now yeah you gotta be bad to get better yeah so uh we'll go to indiana a, a team that you are less high on than than a lot um so in a revamped east how far can Sabonis, Brogdon, Oladipo get you? The ceiling for this team to me is like the play-in. <sighs> like they're not even a playoff lock for me. I don't know if I disagree or not, but locking them to the play-in feels dramatic. It. Do- I mean, really, does it? Because like all of a sudden you've got... It's, it's, again, it's the who who's not in the like definite playoff, like top six. Right. Let me read off read these teams off to you. Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn, Boston, Philly, Toronto. Who's Indian better than on that list? I I don't know if they're that far off from Toronto and I'm I'm a bit worried about Boston this year. In terms of like 
actual like games won not talent but like games won sure sure i i do think indiana is a touch worse than them like both of those teams but i i don't i don't think it's inconceivable that like sabonis brogdon oladipo lead them like to a sneaky good regular season like win total i don't know like i just think like oladipo we still don't know what he's like off this injury. Obviously a huge swing piece here. Yeah, like if he's if he's back to like Oladipo when they're like frisky with the Cavaliers with LeBron James in the first round, like this changes that conversation. Yeah. I just think from what we've seen is like it could take him another season to get back to being healthy. And is this going to be like what Portland was last year where like this team really should be better than is, but they're like an eight seed at best. Yeah. That's that's not a bad point though. Like that that could happen, and then all of a sudden it's like, but they are a really good eight. Yeah. But an eight nonetheless. Right. Huh. That's a that's an interesting one. Uh, we'll go Miami next. So how real real was the bubble? Like we're gonna have to figure that out. Right? Yeah. I I think the loss of Jay Crowder is not being talked enough about. Like that's a big loss for them. Because Miami as a team, like, they were fine at the beginning of the season, but it really wasn't until they got Crowder and Iguodala from the Grizzlies for just Winslow. What a scam. Um, that they really took off. Also, like, the bubble gave, obviously, the time for Jimmy to rest. And, mm, right. like, Hero obviously got significantly better. Adebayo um, was significantly better this past season. I love Bam. I love Jimmy. Heat culture. Um <laughs> They brought back Dragic, right? Yeah. And there's things I I know I should like about this team. I I think there's still kind of this middle of the Eastern playoff picture for me, though. They're, I, they're not a perennial championship contender for me. I think you're probably right. Like, I would agree with you. I think they're going to be a really good regular season team. I don't know outside of the bubble what this team is yet because like you said they're like losing jake crowder getting jake crowder made them super switchable they right. re-signed myers leonard to kind of a high number for myers like leonard. 10 a year and like are you returning to playing bam at the four and playing another big man with him or essentially olenic at the four yeah bam at the five whatever two bigs yeah two bigs and like who's filling that crowder role like it, i don't and that's saying they didn't they didn't I, maybe they're waiting to make another trade deadline move but still you're revamping this team again like if if that Miami team didn't have a break a corona break and just played out the rest of the year what was the cap on that team? I mean I I can't tell you that they definitely get out of the first round right exactly cuz they were playing like Philly at that point in the first round right uh Indiana cuz Boston right. played that's right that's right uh but uh, yeah i just don't know I don't know what this team... I still feel like they're a pretty good regular season team. Like, Jimmy will yeah. get you wins. Goron will get you wins. Duncan Robinson will shoot the lights out again. I just don't know what else this but team like, is. Even the draft. They drafted Precious Achua, who's Another like... big man. Yeah. He's, he thinks he's a 3-4. He's more of a 4-5. Again, doesn't help that part of it. Um, so, we'll go Milwaukee next... So, obviously, they re-signed Giannis, they traded for Drew, they've really tried to be like, we are a championship team. So, let's focus on the regular season for a moment, then. How much will Bud push his stars in the regular season to play different styles, to play more minutes, 
is is that even a conversation bud's willing to have what do you think i think the question i think it's going to be quite a bit because Giannis wants to win yeah and i think on the flip side of that i think Giannis and his stars should push bud to make adjustments because that's been a big thing with bud Giannis kind of hinted at that in an interview the other day yeah like we've got to be better at making adjustments and you know you could take that as just a, a statement grain of salt move on or you take that as a like a hey we've done this for like three years now two years now and it's doing the same thing that it did in your previous five years at your other job so the definition of sanity is doing something over and over again <laughs> and expecting a different result i i think that there's a legitimate conversation that has to be had there mm. um i mean drew helps the idea if you want to play a more switchable style of defense offensively i still feel like this team is largely the same that they were before like i don't know if much yeah. has changed that side of the ball though so maybe it's just brooke lopez goes back to shooting threes like he did two years ago because last year he couldn't make anything the year before yeah. that he was stroking it so maybe that's just a huge fix for this offense is brooke being able to stretch the floor i don't know how much you count on that though yeah that's a good point i think another i mean Giannis, rightfully so gets a lot of talk in this conversation i think the big swing piece here is middleton yeah it's like that guy was in the regular season like a 50 40 90 guy on yeah. a historic rate and then the playoffs was not even half that <laughs> i swear he only plays well in the playoffs against boston that's yeah. it yeah and like you need him to be consistent consistently good all the time and like if he's not that like there's not i mean you have drew sure but like there's not a lot of other playmakers on this team yeah and maybe it's DiVincenzo takes a massive step, but again, that seems like a lot to bank on. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite team, the New York Knicks, somehow lands me in asking this question. And the question... Oh, God. Will R.J. Barrett put up at least 20 shots per game? So, I think this is a legitimate question. Because if he is, it means they are embracing the youth movement here, Ryan. But if he's not... It means Tom Thibodeau is doing Tom Thibodeau things. <laughs> I'm not sure if, like, I don't know, like, one of their four or five power forwards doesn't take 20 shots a game. Like, Julius Randle right. might take, like, 25 shots that, a game this I'm, year. I'm worried Julius Randle's going to lead them in shots this year. And, and that's, it, that's the concern. Very much should not happen. Well, like, the other thing, too, is, like, RJ should probably be putting up 20 shots. But then, like, you have other young guys who need, like, playing time and shots. Right. And, like, you're just not getting it to them. Right. You bring in, like, Obi Toppin with yeah. the top eight pick. Okay. You still have, like, this Frank Nikita, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson thing. Kevin Knox should be good by now. Yeah. And you have no idea what he is. And it's like, he's great for, like, two minutes. And then it's like, you can't play him for the rest of the game. Right. And so it's like... I, I genuinely have no idea what the Knicks are going to do this year in terms of like rotations and minutes. I I feel a little bit for Tom Thibodeau, but it almost feels like Tibbs and the Knicks were like made for each other. Like this collision course is just going to be a wild ride. I I want to watch them a bit this year though. Just I, I want to see it happen one yeah, way or the other. I, I feel like the the Knicks are probably pretty lucky that there probably won't be fans in the stadiums this year. Because this team would get booed off the court like every other game. <clears throat> Probably, right? Preseason, though, Ryan, they look like gods. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'd... I mean, didn't they like come close to winning a summer league championship a couple of years ago? That's just what they do, though. They, they have good young players, 
but then you put good young players on NBA floor, and they have to play good players, <laughs> and all of a sudden it gets a whole lot harder. <laughs> you have to play like LeBron James and Kevin Durant, and then it gets a lot harder. Yeah, you're not playing some G leaguers, G league team. Yeah. Um, we'll go to Orlando, who obviously is still dealing with the unfortunate Jonathan Isaac injury. Basically, just he's out for the year. Um, did bring in two, essentially, first-round picks with Cole Anthony and last year's first-round pick, Chumo Kiki, so, who didn't play last year because of an injury. So, between them and um, Markel, Von Fournier, Terrence Ross, Nikola Vucevic, is there still enough here to make a push for the playoffs, Ryan? I think that... Aaron Gordon, too. I forgot Aaron Gordon. East has gotten a little bit better. This team might be in the fringe playoff conversation, but I just don't see what adds up to be a playoff team here. Like, are you, like, elite defensively? Probably not. Steve Clifford always makes them competent, but not elite. Are you elite offensively? Probably not. They don't have the guard creation. Yeah, so you're probably 15 or below in both offense and defensive categories. Yeah. If you're 15 or below, you're not making playoffs. Right. <laughs> like, that's kind of the rule of thumb, right? Right, yeah. They're probably going to finish something like that 14 to 22 for defense. Yeah. And then somewhere in that, like, 18 to 26 for offense. Yeah. Is kind of where I'm at. And maybe in the East, that can get you to that 10 spot. Um, it just feels like, especially with the Jonathan Isaac injury, even the East has kind of passed the magic by. But this is what we've been saying, though. If you just constantly strive for being the 8, there's going to come a year where you're just striving to be the 10. <laughs> and then eventually you're striving to be a, a frisky 12. Right. Like, that's just how it works. I mean, that's what happened to Charlotte, right? Yeah. And so, and maybe you get lucky in the lottery, right? And things break your way a bit. Maybe you draft a guy that you know, exceeds expectations and all of a sudden you kind of get on a different trajectory than you thought you were going to be on. But it's hard to bank on those things happening. Like you it, it's you got to be more intentional. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like the Magic have been very intentional with their moves lately. Uh, we'll go on to Philly. The Philadelphia 76ers. Matt, there's one burning question every Philadelphia fan wants to know. Is this a championship contender or not? We have a saying, Ryan. <laughs> Don't bet on Philly. Okay? <laughs> um, you know, they they obviously made all the moves this offseason, right? Yeah. The they got off Josh Richardson, brought in Seth Curry, they brought in Danny Green, got off Al Horford, they bring in Dwight as a backup, they you know, get the new head coach, Doc Rivers, they bring in Daryl Morey. It's like they've really tried to revamp the franchise. Not just the players, the franchise. I in theory, everything fits more, right? Like, the guard play fits more. The coach is not Brett Brown. <laughs> I I can't tell you they're going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not saying they won't, but I can't tell you that they're going to get there. It still feels like this team, like, even with Ben Simmons and, like, some new guards, it still feels like it's missing a ton of playmaking. It still feels like they need a fourth quarter, fourth quarter half-court guard bucket getter. Yeah, and they still don't, like, have that. Like, the question they had answered for a while with Jimmy Butler, and that I've been asking to just anybody who will talk basketball with me, is, like, you're down three, ten seconds left. Who's taking the shot? And it's like, are you leaving now Seth Curry or Danny Green to do that? Are you leaving Tobias to do that? In theory, the answer is Tobias, because you're paying him a bajillion dollars to do that. But 
it's just that's not his game. Right. He's a mid-range player. That's what he is. He's a high post mid-range player. I I I think I'm still in the same boat of like, yeah, the pieces fit better. So maybe you're more of a, just a second round team now and you're not getting swept by Boston in the first. But we say it all the time another one, guards win games. Yeah. Guards win games and they still don't have a guard that can be like, "Give me the ball, get out the way." Yeah. I'm, I'm winning right. us this game right now. Like Ben Simmons does it in transition and on defense, not in the half court. We talked about the specialty guys with Curry and Green. We we know what Tobias is, and then Joel is great inside. He just refuses to go inside more, and he should because it's just a bucket there. But again, what happens when you're down five with 30 seconds left? What happens when you're down three with 10 seconds left? Right? Like, and Philly still hasn't answered that. The spacing for games one through seventy-two much better. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But situational and playoff concerns are still as valid now as they were six months ago. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I just don't see like who's creating like outside of Ben Simmons, who's creating a bucket for this team. And even Simmons isn't great in the half court either. Yeah, and I think it's just still like a shoulder shrug, like stare at the bench, maybe create something. Like I just. I, uh, Doc Rivers is going to have to have an elite coaching year yeah. to get them to where He's they want to go. He's going to have to really elevate. And any Doc Rivers team who has done really well has had an elite point guard of some sort or elite uh, playmaker, and that team just doesn't have that no, yet. they definitely don't. All right, we got two teams left. Toronto. So playing in Tampa this year. Um, how long can Toronto keep their success going, Ryan? It kind of feels like this team they had a nice has kind of run its course. Right. Um, but at the same time, it also feels like it's one move away from being a contender again. Right. Like a serious contender. I know I was lower on them last year. I was like, okay, they won the chip. Yeah. Yeah. And all right, you had your fun. Go away. And then they didn't. It was like commendable, right? Yeah. Pascal took a step. Fred took a step. Lowry was good again. Now this year, okay, so is that happening again? You see, yeah. Effectively, you're out with you're out Gasol and Ibaka now. Yeah. So you're really kind of relying on some of your guys who you found like Chris Boucher, Terrence uh, Davis. Is that right? I might yeah. be wrong. About no, that. yeah, yeah, Davis. Pascal needs to take another step. You're really relying on him to take a step. Fred, you paid him, so you need him to continue yeah. his elite play. Um, and it sounds. It looks like they're going to keep Kyle Lowry, I guess. For now. Um, so. Again, talk to me in February if about this, but. Yeah, I just don't know what this team's ceiling is. Like, is it a frisky second round team? Probably. Is it like a sneaky Eastern Conference team? Probably not. I think it feels like a good Eastern Con- or semifinal team. Yeah, I, I think that's about where I fall with them, too. I mean, they brought in Aaron Baines to help out with the center minutes. Yeah. But you lost two competent centers and really brought in one and you're hoping Boucher elevates yeah. but eh, you know OG could be a huge swing guy for them right like if he looks significantly better and I mean he had a good bubble against Boston um hit obviously some some really clutch shots there but is that consistent is that reliable I mean he's barely averaging 10 points a game normally he needs to step up to what 15 yeah ish 15 and you know all NBA defense, but that'd be great for him. He's also got to be on the court 
yeah. too. Yeah. So uh, those are some some tough situations for Toronto, but Nick Nurse will make them good at yeah. worst. It just feels like Nick Nurse like is just going to make this team a playoff lock almost. Can you imagine getting the Raptors with Nick Nurse in a play-in game? No. Just like that's, getting That's a hard no for just, me. One just getting blitzed by like a box and one or whatever and you're like charlotte or something <laughs> and you're like no would have no idea what to do none. like how do i where I where do i go from half court is that a thing the, the point and pull thing oh god um so rounding out matt's favorite second favorite <laughs> team in the east the washington wizards and his boy bradley beal i love the wizards as much as you hate donovan mitchell okay <laughs> So I don't hate Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> so what does that say about your love for Washington? Anyway. Um, so the burning question with them is, will Russ and Beal guarantee them a playoff spot? It, again, knowing that we got 10 spots now, yeah. I think so. I think like pretty definite, actually. Because um, again, Russ just seems like a walking playoff like spot. And Beal like, somehow elevated just a garbage team last year <laughs> to like actually like the nine. Yeah. So, it's like, that team would have even made it in last year. So, it's like, okay, you're adding Russ. Like, and not just taking the dead, like, cap hit that is John Wall. <laughs> or was John Wall. I still like John Wall. I hope John Wall does well in Houston. But, like, just the fact that you don't have $40 million tied up in a player not playing. Yeah. Like, that's that's a positive, no matter who it is. And now it's Russ. So, I, I like this team. I don't love this team, but I like this team. I think this is going to be one of my most watched league pass teams this year. Yeah. Um, because Russ plus shooting, we've never really seen, at least on elite level right. like this. And it's I think it's just going to be a fun team to watch. Like I think Bradley Beal is one of the best players. I mean, obviously one of the best players in the league. Um, but I think this team's almost a playoff lock. I mean, definitely in that play play in. Yeah. Um, but. I, I don't know. I don't see why. The defense is the thing that's going to hold them back. But I think there there's enough pieces here to make a, a playoff run. They're, like, Atlanta's in the same mold as them, but Atlanta does not have as much talent as Washington has right, like right. in their starting lineup and all. Um, like, the Bertans is, is going to be, like, a really good um, player for them. Rui looks better in the preseason. Again, I know it's a couple games, but is what it is. Thomas Bryant had a good end to last year. And Brad Beal, there's no, like, Brad Beal on, like, Atlanta. Yeah. Like, at all. There's nothing close. And Brad Beal's an all-star. So, I I think they're, to me, pretty locked into, like, yeah, 7, 8, at worst, 9. Again, this year. So, then that kind of gets us to these East predictions. Again, we, we have them listed out, but we also kind of tear them off. Mm. Um, so we'll start at the bottom with our play-in teams. Is your play-in teams, I assuming, just kind of your first low tier? Or is it, is it broken up within the when the play-in? Nah, they're all low tier. They're okay. in the same... In my mind, they're all in the okay. same group. So I have Washington, Chicago, Atlanta, and Indiana. Mm. Yeah, I... Where these teams end up falling, I think that's a pretty solid four. The other one I considered, because Chicago was another one I, I considered, but I ended up not putting in. I'll go Indiana, Washington, Atlanta, and I, I'm, I'm going to go with Charlotte. I I like the way they, they pass the ball. I really think they're going to be a good passing team, and Chicago just like is a lot of good individuals. So I guess it's just which one you're betting on, individuals or a team. Listen, you can pass the ball all you want. 
the objective of the game is to get the ball in the hoop. If you can't do that, you're not making the playoffs. I also think this is my anti-Zach Levine thing. And I'm not <laughs> even like really pro LaMelo because I had him lower on my board than a lot. Um, but I, you know, maybe I consider Indiana a touch higher. I don't know, maybe Indiana and Washington a touch higher than I do Atlanta and Charlotte in my mind. Yeah. So like, if this is like my, you know, if I have three tiers and this is the bottom tier, Indiana and Washington are like 3A. Atlanta and Charlotte are 3B. Yeah. And Chicago yeah, was like fair. right there too. Like those are kind of like the five teams I was thinking about for the play-in though. Yeah. I mean, Charlotte, I think for me is, at least in my head, is well below Indiana. Um, yeah. At least in this conversation for me. I just don't know. I, I don't know what this team is. Like I would have to see it together to actually like definitively say this is a playoff team and i just think there's there's too many moving pieces there in charlotte to for me to like hook my wagon to them that's fair i've done it quite a bit i've done it with the kings i've done it with the pelicans i've got burned i'm not doing it again and i've done it with chicago and it hasn't (laughs) worked either right so it's right it's there's a, a bit of cutting our losses with some of these so what about the kind of your tier two ish Slightly above the play-in. Yeah, so I have three teams here. Um, I have Boston, Philly, and Toronto here. So, like, those top three of the top four teams last year, uh, or I guess, sorry, two of the top four teams last year get bumped down to this tier. Um, Boston's in this group. If you're looking at, like, hosting a playoff, they're the, like, last team to host a playoff team for me um philly i still like i still have concerns about them they're the five for me technically whatever however you look at that and then toronto's that last team that above the above the plan teams so i agree with the toronto part especially um i think this tier for me only has two teams i think it's i think it's toronto and boston um again i think boston's better than like the fifth team in the east one this is kind of where i think they're gonna fall though Mm. is this year um because again one it knowing kimba's already out for a while and it's going to be a while if jalen or jason misses 10 games this team is falling yeah pretty far now you know honestly they play brooklyn miami philly in the first round one of those teams I still like Boston's chances. Like yeah. I, I would not bet against Boston in any of those situations. But I I do wonder if this team just feels a little weaker in the regular season. They they feel a little let's just get to the playoffs. Let's just get there and we'll, we'll feel good once we're there. But that's why I'm kind of there with it. In Toronto, we kind of just talked on them like I don't know how great this team is. Like there's nice stuff here. It's mm. good. It's just it it feels just slightly above average to me that's just kind of toronto this year for me um so that's why i'm only putting those two boston like a good step above toronto yeah but there there's just not quite enough to vault them into a different category for me and so then tier one is what we're left with you got three teams and i got four yeah so i have in this category i have brooklyn miami and milwaukee yeah and i have milwaukee brooklyn miami and I'm putting Philly as kind of like their own 1B 
ish, one C ish in this category. But yeah. I don't know. They fell. They fell in like kind of a weird, weird purgatory for me. Of like, I I didn't quite consider them in Boston, Toronto, but I don't know if I like Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Miami. I don't know if they're there either. Yeah, and I have a hard time with like even Miami. Like, yeah, you could convince me that they're in the same category as Boston, and then the tier one for me would just be Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I think I'm right there, too. So maybe I need an extra tier in here. Maybe for me, it's really Brooklyn and Milwaukee at the top, and then Miami and Philly as their own tier, and then Brooklyn and Toronto as their own tier, yeah. and then the planes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just... Like, I think Miami's going to be fine in the regular season. Brooklyn, if you told me they could range from the 1 to the 8, like, I would believe you. Yeah, sure. Um... I think Milwaukee is just, like, so good. <laughs> like, they're such a good regular season team yeah. that I don't see them getting dethroned from the one. Um, and, like, if Giannis is playing at MVP level, we've seen him play. Like, good luck with that team in the regular There's season. There's still no one that can, like, really stop him. Yeah. And we haven't even really seen, like, Drew play with Giannis yet and what that looks like. Right. Um, but I think, like, I don't know... I, I could easily flip Brooklyn, Miami here, and I would be fine with that because I think Kevin Durant, from what I what we've seen, is going to be elite and yeah. may just vault Brooklyn well over Miami. Right. There's a lot of realistic scenarios for all of these teams, mm-hmm. right? And that's what makes the East it feels like very challenging this year. When in the past couple of years it's like been fairly known, it's felt like yeah. like who's who and and what's what. It says, like, Brooklyn could be much further up or down the list. Miami, much further up and down. Philly, if it all clicks, really could go a lot they higher They could up. be the number one. Right. Boston, if they really don't sustain the injuries or uh, have any one significant miss. Again, could be, like, two or three. So, could be five or six. That's why there's a lot of variance along the teams in the top. But they all belong in the top-ish yeah. um, conversation still. So, last thing we do before we get out of here, Ryan, let's get back to those predictions for opening night. Oh, God. Um, so, we got Warriors-Nets on Tuesday, again, 6 p.m. Central Time, and then Clippers-Lakers, 9 p.m. Central Time. So, I believe it's at Nets and then L.A. Who cares? Are we doing, are we giving, like, a score, or are we just taking sides here? Um, let's go score. Oh, God. Let's, let's just go okay. for it. I'm going to go with Nets 115 to the Warriors 102. The Warriors are just one of those teams, like, again, I was up a lot over the last several days. Um, We said 102. Yeah. Weird team. Weird, weird team this year. Yeah. Because there's, like, no depth there. Yeah, kind of exciting for the league to have Steph, like, truly back and, like, just going to shoot all over the court this year. Um that's exciting, but like other than that, like uh, I don't know. Yeah, Steph, it feels like know. Steph needs to play like thirty-six minutes a game yeah. for this team to like be like good, right? So yeah, I, I I don't know what to do with that Warriors team. I'm pretty confident that the Nets are going to be good, and Kevin Durant's going to be motivated playing his old team. Yeah, good point. I'm going to go Nets one hundred nine, Warriors one hundred. Okay. Um. Again, slightly closer, but but really, it feels like this is gonna be a Nets game. Yeah, yeah. All right, so then Clippers, Lakers. What do you think here? 
I said this before on the Western Conference podcast, and I'll say it again here. I'm full out on the Clippers. So I'm going Lakers like 102 to the Clippers 96. Okay. Close-ish. It's going to be close. I, uh, I mean, like it kind of depends on how much LeBron and Anthony Davis play. And if Anthony Davis clipping his toenails on the side, side by the third quarter because it's yeah. a blowout. Wouldn't be shocked either. Yeah, wouldn't be shocked. So I'm going to go Lakers 113 to the Clippers 109. No, okay. 108. 108. Okay. Um, yeah, again, I, I I think these are... I mean, the league obviously did a great job scheduling two openers yeah, yeah. for this season. 100%. And you're right. I could probably see both of these like maybe being a blowout if like the Nets and Lakers are just like we're putting the you know foot to the throat but I don't know there's enough with the Clippers and Warriors to like, still be pesky with their opponents and obviously the Clippers who who the heck knows yeah I mean, uh, they uh, they could come out a hundred percent flat yeah and like wouldn't be shocked or they could just like be like ah oh, this is Kawhi Leonard <laughs> hey this is Kawhi Leonard we still have Paul George on the side here he's gonna hit the backboard oh god <laughs> we're down by 20 all of a sudden yeah. um yeah. that's i just had to get my paul george shot in for the day i guess um i don't know we'll see i i think the opening week's gonna be interesting and we're, christmas coming up christmas day schedule coming up merry christmas everyone happy hanukkah if that's more your jam but we're past hanukkah aren't we at this i don't point? know <laughs> i think we're past hanukkah at this point we're probably going to get a whole bunch of like uh, texts from our uh, Jewish friends who are like, yeah, we're past Hanukkah. Get out of here with this. Or it, they're going to be super offended it, that we don't it know. It just ended on Friday. Okay. So there we go. Yeah. There's your answer. No more happy Hanukkahs for you. Just <laughs> Merry Christmases and happy holidays. The Adam Sandler song, though, is just incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, on that note, we'll get out of here. Uh, thank you so much for listening. It's episode 94 of the Couch GM Podcast. Don't burn sage in other people's <laughs> houses. And we'll see you back for episode uh, 95. Yeah.